I am so excited for this new series that starts today. I'm so excited because this is a series about living well. And I know that that's something that you want to do. I don't know all of you. I know most of you. And those of you who I know, you want to live well. Um, people who want to live well are, are, are drawn to this church. Let me just show you. Um, how many of you want to live well? Raise your hand. All right, see, look at this. All right, I'm not making this up. You want to live well. You want to, you want to get to the end of life and not be filled with a lot of regrets, right? You don't want to get to the end of your life and say, oh, I've got all these great selfies, you know, or, or I have the ability to get four kids to 16 activities in one night with one car in the shop, right? We want more than that. We want more than the ability to get our house clean five minutes before the guests get there, right? We want more than that. We want more than to be able to get the right money into the right account so that we don't bounce the check. We want more than that. That's, that's, that's what we want. We want more than that. We want to live well. Those of you who I know, if you're single, you want to honor God in your singleness. Those of you who I know, if, if you're married, you want to have a great God-honoring marriage. Those of you who have kids, and a lot of you have kids, of all ages, there isn't there, there, there's nothing that you want more than to see those kids with a real relationship with Jesus Christ, right? For them to be living well. You want to have a, a um, you want to be a helpful and a caring neighbor. You want to find a job where your gifts and talents can add great value. You want to live responsibly and give responsibly and vote responsibly. Insert punchline there, right? What a hard thing to do in this day and age. Almost everyone I want to know, I know, they want to make an a real impact in a world that's filled with so many people who are lost and are hurting. We want to live well, and this is a series about that. This is a series that we're starting today about living well. That's why I'm excited for it. Um, there's a leadership conference that I've been going to for, oh man, 20 years or so, and uh, it's a great one. It's called the Global Leadership Summit. In fact, it's so good that we now invite uh, our whole staff to come if they can. We invite our elders to join us. And the, the comment was made this year, let's just make sure that we let the congregation know about it so anyone wants to join us can. It's, it's such a great conference. Well, one year, the guy who facilitates a conference, a pastor named Bill Hybels, who's one of the most effective leaders on the planet, he was talking about when are we at our best? If you want to live well, if you want to perform well, when are you at your best? And he drew a chart that was much better than this one because he's Bill Hybels, right? And so he drew this chart. But this chart was to demonstrate, okay, it was a challenge chart. And he said, if you're down here at the bottom of this chart, you're under-challenged. And if you're way up here, you are dangerously over-challenged. And he said, when are we at our best? And, and he just stated the obvious. Everyone knows you're not at your best when you're under-challenged, right? We all know that. When you're under-challenged, you, you're, you're usually feeling bored. When you're under-challenged, you're usually kind of wasteful with your time. When you're under-challenged, you are not performing at your best. He said that when you're at your best, you're being stretched. You're being stretched. That's when you're at your best, when you're being stretched. When we're being stretched, our blood literally gets pumping faster, filling our minds and our muscles with all the stuff we need to perform well. We're more alert when we're stretched. We're more fully engaged when we're stretched. People are at their best when they're stretched. But there's a diminishing return on that, isn't there? When you get stretched into the danger zone for too long, it is problematic to say the least. Now, you can thrive in this 
dangerous danger zone for a little while. You can be dangerously overchallenged, but if it's for a short period of time, you can actually thrive there as long as you don't stay there too long. Finals week is an example of this. Can you imagine if every week was like finals week? You wouldn't survive, right? You wouldn't make it through the semester. Athletes, if you're an endurance athlete, we, we, when we're competing, we go into this thing called oxygen debt. You can survive in oxygen debt for a little while, but if you're in oxygen debt too long, you don't even finish the competition. Teachers have conferences. Doctors and nurses have rotations. Soldiers have tours of duty. We can survive and possibly even thrive in the danger zone, but only for limited periods of time. And so, as people who want to live well, how do we find our here? where we're being stretched, but we're not being dangerously overstretched for too long. Now, here's one of the reasons why this is a series. And we brought Bob back to help us out with this, all right? And you're going to be helping out with this too. Here's one of the reasons why this is so important for most of us who live in this area in particular, why this matters so much. Now, let's pretend that Bob is an average father and husband Father, let's say four, living right here in the Shoreview area, all right? Now, let's also say right now, for the sake of argument, that Bob is not a Christian guy, all right? He is just trying to live his life and live it well. Now, as a person who's trying to live his life and live it well, he's been trained in time management because he wants to make the most out of his time. He knows life is short. He wants to live it well. He wants to make the most of his time. And one of the things they teach you in time management is if you're going to plan, you want to put the big rocks in first. Anyone ever heard that language before? You put the big rocks in first. You identify the things that really matter, the things that are really important, and then you put those on your calendar first. So let's do this together. If Bob lives in this area, he's a husband, he's a father uh, for, what are some of the big rocks that he's going to try to get in his schedule? What are some of the things that you, you just got to get done? Shout them out. What's, a, what's an example? Grocery shopping, okay? And you want to make sure that you get the organic, you get the good stuff, you get the fresh stuff. Okay, so grocery shopping. What else is on your list? Job. Job. All right. Now, and with that one, you have to often break that into the big rocks within the, the different job, okay? Job. What else? Keep them coming. And this guy's got an easy life. What, what, what's that? Yard. Yard. Oh, yeah. My, my wife was here the first one. She said, you've got to put about four blocks in there this time of year, right? Because you've got, this, you've got to get all of the, the, the summer gear put away. You've got to run the gas, you know, the more dry. You've got to get the leaves up. We literally have bags of mulch that I bought on Labor Day because they were on sale. And they're still there. We haven't gotten them out yet. You've got all of this stuff. And that's just fall, right? You've got all these different things with your, with your yard. Okay, what else? Parenting. Parenting. Okay, and he's got four kids. So we got kid one, we got kid two, we got kid, we have three. And then what all is involved with parenting? Shout out some of the things with each of those kids. Their schedules. So you're trying to get four different people to all four of their different things, okay? And then with school, they have these things called portals now. And so I get these five emails per day from all these different teachers saying you have to check this and this and this and this and this. And I'm like, what? I, my, you know, okay, what else? With Anything else with your kids or anything else? What, what are some other things that go in this bucket? Your marriage, right? Okay, so spending time together. Oh, and that brings up the whole idea. If you want to have date nights with your spouse, you want to spend time, then you want to have family time together, and then you got to have time with each one of the kids individually, all right, in addition to their sports and things. All right, what else has happened in this person's life? Yeah. Sleep. 
No one even mentioned that at 9.15. They were too tired, I think, to even think about that. Yes, sleep. And that brings up other things that are health-related, like getting physicals, getting exercise. Oh, and then you got to make sure that your family gets exercise. What else? Aging parents, aging parents, taking care of your folks. Whoop, we're out of room. And you're going to start to see if we went on and on and on, what would happen here? There are too many big rocks. You could try everything and, and do the best you can to make them all fit, and they don't fit. And so what's happening then in the pursuit of trying to live well, we're burning out. Because you just can't do everything that our society, our culture says we need to get done. There's a place to write this in your notes. I'd encourage you to write this down. In the pursuit of a life well lived, most Americans are living in the danger zone. In the danger zone. And as a child of 80s, as I was typing danger zone, you know what happened to me? This happened to me. This happened to me. Kenny Loggins. There we go. The song, the soundtrack started playing through my head. Someone said it looks like Jesus Glamour Shot there. <laughs> All right, that's good. You can find that. So now, this is the great theologian, Kenny Loggins, and he wrote this song about danger zone, and as cheesy as the lyrics are, he's got a point. There, there's this danger zone, and we can live there for a while, and it can even be fun to live there for a while, but it's like a highway. You know, and, and, it, and everybody, it seems, everyone's going this direction. Everyone is, is doing all of these things. And it seems like if we want to live well, we got to do the stuff that everyone else is doing. And we get on this highway and we, we, we come to a point where we're like, can I get off this thing? Because this doesn't seem like I'm living well. It doesn't seem like it. In fact, have you ever noticed this? That you start to resent the very things that you chose to put on your schedule because you can't really enjoy them. Do you ever find that, that you become short with the people that you're, you care about the most because you're in such a hurry? Get into the car because we got to go to the apple orchard so that we can have fun as a family. You know, it, it just, you, you ever have that happen, right? Because you're stressed out. Our bodies begin to break down. Bad things happen. Now, let me show you this. Our bucket's already overflowing, right? Now, let's say Bob is a Christian. Bob is a Christian guy. He's trying to honor God with his life. Now what do we tell Bob he needs to do if he's going to be a good Christian on top of this? What are some of the things? Volunteer. Absolutely. Come on, Bob. Let's go. Let's get in the game. Let's help out. What else? Read the word. You've got to be in the word. And you don't just have to read yourself. You've got to make sure that you've got personal devotions. You got your devotions with your spouse. You got your family devotions. And then he's a guy, so he's got to get together with his band of brothers. All right? What else? Got to go to church, right? We got services. Come on. What's that? Somebody else. What are the ones we got? You got to get your kids. We got more activities because you got to get your kids to all these things. So do you see what happens here? You've already got a bucket that is overflowing. And now if you're a Christian, we're going to add more. There's a place to write this down in your notes. Instead of burning brightly, many good intentioned Christians are what? They're burning out. They're burning out. Well, may I present to you that Jesus of Nazareth lived well. This is not a series about how to become a slacker. 
Jesus lived well. In three years of ministry, he changed the world. But look at one of the things that Jesus taught his disciples, even as he was so on mission, again, that it changed the world. Take a look at this. If you have your Bibles, let's open up to Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. Now, just as Joshua was our jumping off point for our last series, Matthew is going to be our jumping off series point for this series. I encourage you to read Matthew and, 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 and reread it if you've read it before. Take a look at this. This is something that Jesus said. Jesus said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Is there anyone that wants rest for their soul? For my yoke, he says, is easy, and my burden is light. And he says this after, not long after. He said, if anyone comes after me, let them take up their cross and follow me. Wow. The yoke of Jesus is the way of Jesus. That's what he's talking about there. His yoke is his way. And the placement of this teaching in Matthew speaks volumes about his invitation. I noticed something this week that I never noticed before. If you have your Bibles open, take a look at this. Look at the next two sections that come immediately after this section. Does anyone remember what those sections are called? Pericopes. Yes. I'm not a total failure. This is so great. All right. They're called pericopes. Look at the next two pericopes. What are they about? If you have your Bibles, what are the, what are the, what are the titles about? What are, Sabbath. I never noticed that before. Jesus talks about his yoke being easy, his burden being light. He said, come to me, you who are, are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And the next two pericopes in this text are about the Sabbath. And they're specifically geared towards people who are treating the Sabbath like that. They're treating the Sabbath as a burden. They're treating the Sabbath as something you check off. And Jesus is saying, you guys, you're missing the point. This is about rest. This is about restoration. And what did the, the religious leaders do when Jesus said these life-giving words? He, they wanted to kill him. What is going on? What is going on where we've turned life-giving truth into something that, that we reject? A burden that we put on people. One of the reasons I'm so excited about this series is because I think almost everyone in this room, especially myself, needs to deconstruct unhealthy paradigms when it comes to faith that are filled with completely unrealistic expectations that are killing us. Just this week, I saw another article from another pastor who's stepping down, and he's stepping down with some urging of his flock. These are his own words. He says this, I could not carry the weight anymore. And alcohol was necessary for me to make it through another day. How many of you know that this is the new normal for pastors? Take a look at this. These are some stats. This is from a book called Why Pastors Quit. Think about this. 50% of ministers starting out won't last five years. 70% of pastors constantly fight depression 80% of pastors and their spouses, they, they, they surveyed them independently. They came up with the same number. That's interesting. 
80% of pastors and their spouses believe pastoral ministry has negatively affected their family. And look at this last stat. Only one in 10 pastors will retire as a pastor. All right, now, my point in sharing this is not feel sorry for pastors and keep them away from liquor stores. That's not, that's not my point at all. Pray for me, I'll take that, yeah. My point is, something's broken. Something is broken. Consider those stats. Reflect on that just a little bit. Think about this. People, men and women, who feel called to serve God vocationally, they get trained, most of them, in, with master's level education in Christian leadership. And then they work for people of the book. And they can't carry the weight. Think, look, look at his words. Let's go back to that. What Perry Noble, Pastor Perry, he said this. He says, I couldn't carry the what anymore? The weight. If someone who's trained in this and works for Christians, if they can't carry the weight, who can carry the weight? Is something broken? Something is broken. Absolutely. Because what did Jesus say about his way? He said his burden is light. He invites us to find rest for our souls. It was interesting. The name of the church that Pastor Noble led was called New Spring. Isn't that a beautiful name? New spring. And isn't that the life that people want? Isn't that the well that people thirst to drink from? A new spring? I think about our name, Emmanuel. What's our invitation as Emmanuel? I'll give you a hint. It's right here. What is it? Experience God with us. That's our invitation. Aren't there people who would love in life to experience rest for their souls in our culture? Let's make sure that our invitation is not, hey, everybody, come and join us, and you can feel burned out too, you know? (laughs) Sign me up, right? (laughs) You guys reacted very differently to that line than the 915 crowd. Oh, my word. 915, a lot of you know Brother Rick, who who comes and joins us. At 915, I was sharing about um, how 90% will retire as a minister in some form, and Rick goes, Amen! (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Oh, I would encourage you to write this in your notes. Jesus stretched people. Did Jesus stretch people? He sure did but he didn't stretch us the way the world does. He didn't say try to fit more into your overcrowded life. He was working from a very different understanding of reality. I'd encourage you to write this down too. Is it possible that we haven't been stretched far enough in the ways that matter most? That's a rhetorical question, right? I believe it's very possible that we haven't been stretched far enough in the ways that matter most. Experiencing more peace and rest in our lives, it is going to involve adding some things. Absolutely. It's going to involve taking some things away. Yes, absolutely. But this is bigger than getting the right stuff on our calendars and the wrong stuff off. The yoke of Jesus Christ is a purposeful pursuit of the kingdom of God. That's what this is about. It's not about getting the right things on, the right things off. It is a pursuit of the kingdom of God. If you have your Bible, let's look at this. Matthew 6, 25 through 33. If these words sound familiar, don't tune out. 
There's a richness here. Let's, let's look at these with fresh eyes if they sound familiar to you. These are the words of Jesus of Nazareth. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why be anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. So if God clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what do we eat? What should we drink? Or what should we wear? For the non-Jews, the non-believers seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. It's been too long since we've had a memory verse. As a church, wouldn't that be a good memory verse for us during this series to memorize? So let's say it together as one step towards memorizing. Read this verse with me, Matthew six thirty three. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. One more time, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. This is Matthew 6.33. The kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, is at the core of Jesus' life and his teaching. In fact, I encourage you to pull out the yellow sheet. Take a look at this. Nine-point font, one book of the Bible, Matthew. I couldn't fit them all in. Some of you, if you're reading your ECC mail, the one that went out on Friday, I put a link there. That link takes you to all 50-plus references just from the book of Matthew where kingdom is referenced. 38 of those references directly apply to the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. 37 of the 38 coming from the lips of Jesus or closely related directly to him. The kingdom of God is central to understanding the yoke, the way of Jesus. Take a look at this. When John the Baptist was preparing the way for the coming of Jesus, John the Baptist said this in Matthew 3, 2, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When Jesus began his public ministry, he said this, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was from Matthew 4, 17. And when Jesus sent his disciples out, any guesses what he told them to say? Take a look at this, Matthew 10, 7. Proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You can't understand the yoke of Jesus Christ without understanding the kingdom of heaven. There's a place to write this in your notes. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, it isn't something you add to your life. It is a different way of living. Can I get an amen on that? It is a different way of of living. I, I was using words like paradigm and things like that in my first couple drafts. It's more than a paradigm. It's a way of living. It's a different way of living. And one of the things, one of the many things that jumped out at me as I was rereading Matthew this week was how 
what Jesus said in the passage, longer passage we read about the birds and the, the, the lilies of the field and all that. And then he said, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. That was literally fulfilled, wasn't it? The, these things that Jesus were talking about in that passage were what? They were food and clothing. And what happened when a group of disciples started trying to live out the kingdom in the book of Acts. And they they did what Jesus said, feed the hungry, clothe the poor. What happened? People had food. People had clothing. And then as we continue to read, people started to take advantage of that. And so through the Holy Spirit, the disciples of Jesus said, we got to throw in some correctives here. If you don't work, you don't eat. And so there was this kingdom where people were living differently and it was literally fulfilled what Jesus said. If you seek first the kingdom, you put this first, you do what I say about these things, eating and clothing, these things will be added to you. But is the kingdom of God limited to food and clothing? No, it's everything. It's bringing your entire life, not just your sharing, it's bringing your entire life under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Instead of looking at life as these different blocks that we're trying to fit in a bucket. It's more like this, the kingdom of God, like we've got here. There's a framework. This framework is our life. And we try to say, God, how would you have me to live each day? Today, what would you have me to prepare for? Today, how would you have me live? Because how many of us know this? You, you can't just balance all these things together. There's times you've got to divert everything to a crisis. There are times you have to divert everything to rest. There's times where you do have to have multiple things going at once. And the kingdom of God living is trying to to tap into the, the heart and the mind of God so that everything is united under his lordship. And part of that is going to be getting into his word, both the Old and the New Testaments. One of the reasons I keep driving this point home that both the Old and the New Testaments matter is because there's been a movement for several years among Christians to diminish the Old Testament diminish the Old Testament. Look at this. What did Jesus even say about the kingdom of God? Look at this. I came across this on Matthew 13, 51. It says this, every scribe who has been trained in the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. That's a nod to the scriptures. There is a treasure to be discovered in both the new and the old testaments. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Now, in most of our series, we recommend different resources to take you deeper. The book of Matthew is going to be the obvious one, but there's also a great book called Simplify. I put it in your notes. I encourage you to consider this book. One of the small groups is actually working through this one right now. It's a great book. And what the the book does an excellent job of is instead of just saying you need to cut back and simplify, it's about simplifying around the kingdom of God. He may not use the language that we're using right now, but it's really about that. It's about aligning your whole life, simplifying everything around the kingdom of God. And it's amazing how that changes things. I would encourage you to take out this insert that says, find your next. Those of you who have been around here for a while, you've seen um, earlier versions of this. And we keep tweaking this and we keep working on this because this is becoming a tool as we go forward that we're going to use to try to say, how God would you have us to stretch in God-honoring ways? And one of the things you're going to see on this is that we're not telling you sign up for these 15 programs. These are areas, aspects of our life that are all interrelated. 
They all fall under the kingdom of God. It's about bringing our whole lives under the, the kingdom. It's about discovering you know, God in a way that is stretching us, moving from I'm not even interested to I'm curious to I've surrendered my life consciously to, to God, and now I'm trying to honor him in every area of my life. The next one, connecting. This is an important one because that pastor that I referenced earlier, he said one of the things that led him where he went is he, was, he isolated himself. He was isolated from real community with other believers. Well, we want this to be a place where you can move from neighbor to guest to friend to family. And when it comes to stewardship, moving from I'm keeping everything that God's given me to I'm sharing some to I'm giving to God first to I'm stewarding all this joyfully. This is all God's. Moving when it comes to serving from I'm a consumer when I show up among God's people to I'm now volunteering to I'm recruiting others to be a part of this and I'm training them. When it comes to reaching out in Jesus' name to those who are lost and hurting, moving from being insulated to introduced, to engaged, to becoming an advocate. When it comes to leaving a legacy to the next generation, moving from we're welcoming to we're modeling to we're equipping to we're entrusting. And one of the things you're going to find here is these are not just individual blocks that you can separate. It's an integrated life. For example, let's say... You're, you're, you're saying, I want to help with this legacy value, and I want to pour into young people, all right? You're pouring into young people. You're mentoring them. If you're doing that as a part of a team, you're also what? You're also connecting, right? Because you're, you're meeting these other people who are trying to do the same. Generally, when you're mentoring someone else, what about discovering? Are you growing in your own faith? Yes, and you're serving. All, see how this all works together? I'm thinking about reaching out. I'm on a, a board of a children's home in Juarez, and I'm going down there next week. And what's going to happen? It happens every time. When I go down there, what do you think that does to, to my mindset when I come back home? And I see how my friends are living, and I see how I'm living. Am I more content? Yeah. So am I more, is it easier for me to give joyfully? Yeah. Do you see how this all works? It's integrated. Instead of signing up for these different programs, we look at life as what can help facilitate growth. How could this activity, this investment of time, facilitate growth? How can this stretch me in the right ways? I was, I'm glad Tim's here. We were talking this week at a meeting with Tim, and uh, Tim leads a whole lot of folks. And he said one of the things that he's trying to do with the teams that he leads, he says, I'm trying to not use language like balance, where we're trying to balance work and life and, and, and home. He says, I'm using the word, Say it. Harmony. Isn't that good? Harmony. Can you imagine how your life would be if work and church and family and school and sports and all these things, there was a harmony to them rather than they felt like they were at odds? It's going to take some stretching to get there, isn't it? But can you imagine how much lighter our burden would be if everything that we did was to the glory of God and it felt like it was all part of the same thing. Wouldn't, that, wouldn't life be different? Or is it just me? Are you guys thinking? Or are you, I'm, just, I'm seeing a lot of blank faces here. Amen? Amen? Okay. All right. Amen. All right. That's the invitation, guys, because that's the invitation that we've got here. His yoke, his way to learn from him. And here's the thing about the invitation that we're going to press into. I encourage you to write this in your notes. Jesus just didn't offer the invitation. What did he do? He paid the price. Don't forget this. Never forget this. This is so important. 
Never forget, not only did he give us this invitation for a light burden, he actually paid the price for us. I say that's so important because this is how we know God is for us and not against us, that he's not trying to trick us into a life that we really don't want. He wants what's best for us. How do we know that? Because he paid the price. Take a look at this. These are words that Jesus of Nazareth spoke. Again, in our society, we've painted this caricature of Jesus, many people, with good intentions of how much he loves us, which he does, how much he cares, which he does. And he's the Lord of Lords. And our actions matter. And he says this. He says, again, this is out of Matthew 13, 47 through 50. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. And when it was full, men drew it ashore and they sat down and they sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil and the righteous and throw them into the, from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Because this isn't the only place where kingdom language and judgment language appear together. If God isn't your king in this life, he's not going to be your king in the next the way you want him to be your king. And who made that possible for us to call God our king, for us to to call him our father, to approach the throne of grace with confidence? Jesus of Nazareth did. Let me show you something that jumped out at me just yesterday. This is so new. We added this slide this morning. This is from Matthew chapter 13 again, 40 through 43. At the close of the age, these are the words of Jesus. The son of man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all the causes of sin and all law breakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. Who are the law breakers? We ask this about every other week. It's us. So why do we not get thrown? Why do the wages of sin are death? Why why do we not get the death penalty? Because Jesus paid the price for us. He says, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of the Father. He who has ears, let him hear again. I say this because... This is, this is going to stretch us. If we're going to press into the kingdom of God, that means everything's on the table. That means sports is on the table. It means school is on the table. It means work is on the table. It means our preconceived notions of what is and isn't good Christian living is on the table. Are we willing to be stretched? My hope is that we will be because we can trust a God like this who while we were still sinners, died for us. And that he wants what's best for us. So one last time, let's put Matthew 6, 33 up on the screens. And I'm I'm adding just one thing here. The verse says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And the thing I just did different here is I gave you the Greek transliteration of the word that we translate as righteousness because it's too rich to be encapsulated in righteousness. And also because the word righteousness, often we translate that as goody-goody. This is not about goody-goody. This is not, as I was looking up different translations and different ways of that people tried to put English to this word, the, the, the descriptions were this, that this word means to be in agreement with God. That's righteousness. You're in agreement with God. It means harmony with God. It means peace with God. And isn't that ultimately what we long for? to be at peace, to be at harmony. Well, at this time, I want to give you a chance to respond. I would like the worship band to come on up. And as they're coming up, I want to encourage you to write one last thing down, and that is this. Life is short. 
live it well. And I get that wording from a song that Jason introduced me to this week. He said, you know, there's a song that I think would be a great one to, to close the service with. It's not one of these songs that probably a lot of people know or are easy to sing along with. But when I listen to it, I'm like, this is a great song to close. Because the chorus goes, life is short, I want to live it well. And there's something about there's one life and one story. When you get to that part, make that your prayer. You know, this is going to be a journey for a lot of us. I mean, this next five weeks, it's going to stretch us. But anytime you start a journey, you got to take that first step, right? What is the first step? The first step is to say to God, life is short. I want to live it well. I'm going to put my trust in you, God. I'm going to step out and I'm going to try to seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. So let me pray and then let's close with this song. Father, we thank you that you love us enough to invite us to be subjects of your kingdom. Lord, I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit right now that you will destroy those paradigms that make us think that somehow having a good and just king is a bad thing. Oh, Lord, you're going to have to do that because our, our culture has elevated self above all other things. Lord, may you, may you free our minds. Set us free. Set us free to this idea that having a good king is a good thing. In Jesus' name, amen.